the difficult things in life. Uh, and, 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 and David was definitely uh, one who knew storms quite well. He knew storms well, but he also knew how to and learned more and more throughout his life how to navigate those storms. And, and, and the thing we, we come to learn about storms is no matter how mighty the storm is, the God that we serve is always mighty. The God that we serve uses thunder to symbolize, to symbolize his voice. He uses lightning to symbolize his voice, his power, his presence. He is the God of the, of the thunderstorm. He is the one who triumphs over the tempest. And it's very important for God's people to bear that in mind. Because oftentimes storms will come into our lives and from directions where we least expect. At times where we least expect. And uh, at those times, we, because we're taken unaware, we are apt to become overwhelmed and overcome and become discombobulated, if you will. And we find ourselves uh, all out of sorts. But it's important to know that even though this has come unaware to you, it was not unaware to God. And because the storm was not unaware, God was not unaware of the storm, God was preparing you for that storm. And it's been said that all of us are either going through a storm or coming out of a storm or in the middle of a storm. Well, either way, God has given us the way to navigate the storm. And the beacon that he has given us is his voice. If uh, in the challenges and the difficulties and the confusion of life, if we can just focus on his voice, we can get through the storm. And there's something that the voice represents in scripture. We'll go into that in a moment. But just for some testimony on this fact, let's go to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. And uh, Nico, when you get over there, I want you to start reading. Uh, matter of fact, just go ahead and read uh, verses 1 through uh, 10. Because, see, not only does God send or allow storms, and sometimes we read scriptures, and, and then Nico, you and I were kind of studying about that earlier this week. Sometimes when you ever read the scripture where it says that this and that came from the Lord, and this and that came from the Lord. But in reality, what it means is these things happen by permission of the Lord. So the one, the same one who gives the storm or gives uh, the challenges permission in life, he's the same one. He's the same one that gives you support to get through the storm that he's allowed. Let us read in Job chapter 1, beginning in verse uh, 1. Uh, going down to verse 10. There was a man in the land of Uz, whose name was Job, and a man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each one, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite, send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. 
So it was, when the days of the feasting had run their course, that Job was sinned and sanctified him. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. So Job, pretty righteous guy, uh, you know, righteous guy, uh, in God's favor. Uh, life is good, 7,000, 3,000, 5,000. Uh, life is pretty good for Job, wouldn't you say? He's worshiping God. He's, he's making sure that he gives God glory. Uh, he's doing all these kind of things, kind of like, you know, as we go through life, we feel like we've gotten past some challenges, and yeah, we have some current challenges, but that's, that's all right. But uh, I'm going to keep on serving the Lord. I'm going to keep on praying. I'm going to keep on uh, uh, studying the Word because, you know, everything's good, and, and, and God is good. You know, that's how we say that. You know, we oftentimes don't have a problem saying that God is good when everything is good. Does that make sense? When everything's good, God is great. God is good. But then, but then around the corner, behind the corner, some things uh, will happen. And the same thing with David. David was God's anointed, God's appointed. But he was dealing with all kinds of challenges. Even from the one that he tried to serve, that one being Saul. Saul became jealous of him and was chasing him down because of the favor that God had placed on him. And Saul was not looking at the fact that he had rejected the favor of God and God had chosen another. But no, he was upset with the fact that God had chosen David. And being God's chosen people, you have to understand that you're going to get challenges not because you're that much better than everybody else, but because you've chosen better than everybody. You've chosen to follow the will of God. And because you've chosen, Jesus said that the world will hate you because I've chosen you. But see, it's not the world, that's, it's Satan behind the scenes who hates you. And make no doubt about this, you put this in your notes that Satan hates you. Make no mistake or doubt about it. No confusion. Satan hates you. He hates your guts. Hates you to the very core of your soul. He cannot stand you. Now, most of us can understand that when it comes to people, because you say, I say, well, I'm going to talk to that person over there. Well, I can't stand her. I ain't got nothing to say. Now, how come when it comes to folk we so-called can't understand in life, we don't have a problem avoiding them? I can't stand her. She still got my spoon. <laughs> I can't stand her. They come over my house for the baby shower. I ain't saying nothing, but there is a pillow in <laughs> Since I done checked everybody out, I'm just saying. So because I don't know and I can't stand her, I'm not speaking to her. You ever notice how quick we are to do that? To be able to not stand by and avoid them. And we'll avoid them to the point where we don't want to hear nothing they got to say. Now we can do that with people. How come we can't and won't do that with Satan? Satan can't stand you. So that means anything that he's going to say to you is going to always be for your detriment. Anything he says has one goal in mind, and that's to destroy you. 
So why would you play with anything he says? Right? So that, here's the thing. Job's going along fine, just like David was once upon a time. And then look at Satan, how he works. Go ahead, read. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. Mm -hmm. And Satan also came among them. Mm -hmm. And the Lord said to Satan, where did you come? And Satan answered to the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Now, now, Nico, you know that God didn't ask Satan that question because he didn't know, right? <laughs> I want to show you guys divine wisdom. God asked Satan that question not because he didn't know. He asked the question so that we would know what Satan does. Does that make sense? God, God knew where he was. He said, where you been? Where you been, boy? And he says, pardon my paraphrase, but he says, walking in and out of the earth. And Peter would tell you that after. Peter would tell you that later on when he says, your Satan, Satan is a, a, your enemy. He's the lion that lurks about seeking whom he may devour. He's a roaring lion. He's hungry and he wants, he's, you know what Satan is hungry for? He's hungry for souls. He's hungry for souls and he's hungry for revenge. He wants revenge because he has been kicked out of glory. Not by, not because God had an issue, but because he had an issue. And he's too prideful to acknowledge and accept that it was his fault that he separated himself from God. So he's angry. And he's angry at you. Why, Brother Johnson? He's angry at you for being born. So he's hungry for souls. He's hungry. Right? So he says, he's going to back to and fro, right? Go ahead, read. Here you go. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possession. He has increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Now, 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 don't get caught up in it looking like God is just handing over Job as a tasty morsel. Because God doesn't do it that way. Remember, God doesn't allow anything to befall you that you cannot bear. Right? So he knew something about Job already. And when challenges come your way, it's because he knows something about you already. Now, whether you will acknowledge it, accept it, God knows it. And he's allowed it because he's going to try to purify something in you. He's trying to bring something out of you, and he's trying to bring you to the next level. James testified to that fact in James chapter 1 when he said, he said, let, let these trials let, let it have its perfect work because it's going to produce endurance. It's a long race to run. And you're going to have to be challenged. You're going to, you see, it's a long race to run and you need strength. How do you get stronger? You get stronger by being challenged. See? Don't see people get, we get so caught up in woe is me, woe is me, why am I being challenged? But you're being challenged for your benefit, am. God has given Satan permission to challenge you because he's trying to strengthen you. Because he knows where he wants to take you and he knows that right now you're 
not strong enough. Your faith won't hold up. Therefore, he needs to get you there. Right? So it's not that he's handing Job over as a tasty morsel, saying, surely, what is God thinking about? Why would he do such a thing? No, God knows. He knows, he knows, he knows that you can handle the situation. And he knows that he's made a way for you to handle it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In every temptation, he has made a way out. Huh? Right? So he says, have you considered my servant, Job? And never, and you need to underline that, 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 that those words, my servant. Because that's a high compliment when God says, my servant. Right? And you know, now if, if, if that's a high compliment when God says, my servant. Remember the last person he called his servant? Remember Moses? Moses, my servant. So now when you get such a, 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 a high praise from God, don't you, you already know Satan's angry, right? He's already angry just because. When God says, this is my servant, what do you think that does to Satan's anger? Makes him even more angry. Now he ratchets up the pressure. Now, he sets the crosshairs. He puts the red dot right between your eyes. Because he's got to take you out. Right? And notice as God lays out the reasons why. Because God, see, because look, God, God, God is so, he's so wise. He's so, he, 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 he's so precious. He's so, he, God is just so. Because he even gives Satan, he, this is my servant, and here's why. Huh? But no, you know, now Satan now, just like you see in Titus chapter 1, remember what it said in Titus chapter 1, that to the defiled, all things are defiled? So Satan will hear pure truth, because he's talking to God, right? Is God lying? No, God can't lie. So he's talking to God, and God is telling him the pure truth. But you ever notice somebody who you tell the flat truth to, and they still try to turn it into a lie? You ever know somebody like that? See, the problem's not with you, child. The problem is with them and their mind. They're the ones that have been demented and perverted in their thinking. Their consciences have been seared. They're the ones who are caught up. So you just go on and tell the truth. Truth will prove itself. Right? So then, so then Satan, what does he do? He gets it and he tries to flip it. Oh, does he do it for nothing? Surely he can't be trying to serve you just because you're that great. He's trying to serve you because of all the things you've done for it. You need to examine your faith. You need to ask yourself this question. Am I serving God just because of what he's done for me? Am I being faithful because of how good he's been to me? Or am I being faithful just because he's good? Just because he's great? Because he's the great I am. See, that's what we ought to serve him just because he's great and he's good and he's kind and he's, he's precious and he's, and he's merciful. We ought to serve him just because of who he is, not what he does. See, when somebody starts to love you just because of who you are, See, that's the difference there. See, immaturity, that immature love will love you because of what you do for me. A mature love loves you because of what you are and who you are. And since we were taught how to, we're being taught how to love through God, 
we, we come to love people because of what they are and who they are, where they are in Christ Jesus, who resides in them. So then, so then uh, uh, he says, he, he's doing it for nothing, and I, I bet you, I bet you, I bet you, I bet you. Satan's saying, I know, I know, I know, I know. That if you just take some of that stuff, he'll turn on you. Come on, read, Nico. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. See, there's the permission part. Nothing happens. If you need to prove to somebody that nothing happens unless God gives permission, here you have it. Satan wants him, and notice God said very well, and notice what it says on the line, God gave him power. Meaning, until God said that, Satan had no power to do anything to Job. Oh, no. What I'm trying to say is that God now, God, because see, later on it's going to say, God giveth and he taketh away. He giveth and he taketh take away. And there are people who say, y'all need to stop saying that. Because you saying that, you're saying that God gives bad things and makes bad things happen. No, I'm saying you don't study. Because God allows things to happen according to his divine purpose. And so God gives, what did he do? He gave him power, right? He gave Satan power, but he also gave Satan parameters. You see that? Parameters are limits, are boundaries. He is the one who can put limits on what Satan can do. See? Now, anything evil comes from Satan, right? So if God can limit the very father of all things evil, then that ought to tell you something. That nothing can happen unless it has, unless they have God's permission. And when God gives permission, he gives permission for these things to happen for your benefit, not your detriment. Amen. Does that make sense? Come on, read, Nico. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house. Now what I want you to do, Nico, I want you to let them read the rest of that in their time. Skip down to the part where right after they've all died, uh, uh, and right the part where, where Job tears his shirt. I want you to go right there. Then, verse 1. Then Job rose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped him. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, 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 what I want you to see there is he tore his shirt. Uh, now, now, let's go back and read that slow, that verse. And I want everybody to underline a couple things. Go ahead. Then Job arose. Arose. Underline arose. Go ahead. Tore his robe. Tore his robe. Underline that. And shaved his head. Shaved his head. Underline that. And he fell to the ground and worshipped. Fell to the ground and worshipped. Underline that. Now, what I want you to see, when, 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 when this uh, storm hit Job, 
Now, oftentimes, people, when challenges come into our lives and, and, and they hit us out of nowhere, we have a tendency to just all go to pieces. And we'll say, and people say, well, just let them go. They can't help it. They're just overwhelmed with grief. And, and they, it was involuntary. They can't even control it. I disagree. Bible disagrees. You know why? Because the Bible says, now we don't know where Job was. We don't know if he was sitting, if he was laying in the bed or anything. But now that last verse, it, it, the verse right before what you read in verse 19, it said something. What does it say? And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house and fell on the young people and they are dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose towards Job and shaved his head and he fell on the ground and worshipped. Everything he loved had now been destroyed. By this point, all his money was gone, and everything that he loved was now destroyed. Bible says that the wind hit the four corners of the house. We can study Revelation, four corners. That means the whole house just fell on them and killed them. He jumps up, tears his clothes. Now, when it says he tears his clothes, what that means is that he was in extreme grief. Extreme grief is what he was in. Right? So now, notice, notice, if, if he had no control, if Job had no control, then, then, then how does he choose to get to his feet? Job chose to get to his feet, right? In the midst of all this stuff that happened, he could have, because I'm talking about, I'm talking about, you know when you've been laying out and depression hits you, depressed folk, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody been depressed a little bit? Well, maybe I just talked to people who just had the blues. You know my people who have who have the, the Sunday night, Monday morning blues? You know, oh Lord, back to work again. <laughs> Lord, why can't the, why can't we just have all weekend and no week? Okay. <laughs> and you're laying in the bed. And that thing come and press you down and say, you got to get up. And that depression get on you and it press you down. See, I'm trying to tell you that. See, when that depression comes and it presses you down. There's something that gives you the strength, that gives you the power to get to your feet. See, if he was overwhelmed, he couldn't have got to his feet. But he got to his feet, church. And then he thought to tear his clothes, church, to express his extreme grief, right? Then it says he did what, Nico? Shave his head. Now, when he shaved his head in, in, in ancient times, what that meant was to show that that the, your personal glory—it was a—it was a—it was a display of the fact that the glory of God has completely departed. God's glory isn't even upon me. I have no glory. I have—I'm I'm in complete shame because I've lost everything. Right now, you know that he had to get to his feet, and that, that see, y'all wouldn't understand, but I can tell you that. It takes time to shave your head. <laughs> Shaving your head ain't something you just brush and do. I don't have, Brother Smith not here. He not here, so he can't be. Brofield, he gonna know in a minute. But the thing is, the thing is, you got you. See, when you shave your head, and you don't rush, Uncle Brother Boy. When you when you when you shave your head, you don't rush, right? You better take your time, cause head wounds bleed, bleed most. You gas, you go the wrong direction on that head, you got trouble. 
So now he had to stand up, but he couldn't be acting. Oh my God! <laughs> he couldn't do that. It's not like it's not like you women who can be all all all, all dramatic and and, and 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 cinematic with it, like you wait to his hair. Oh, <laughs> just cut the locks and let them fall. Now, so you got room to make this. No, when you shaving the head, you got very little room for everything. So he had to get up and think about what he was doing, right? Then he did what, Nico? And then he fell to the ground in worship. Hold on. Then he fell to the ground in worship. So now he shows his extreme grief, and he shows that he's in the very pit of grief. And what does he do? He chose, he chooses to take his grief to the very lowest point. He carries his grief to the very lowest point. He carries it to the position of submission. He brings his grief, his pain, under submission to the will of God. How do I know? Because the Bible said, and he worshiped. Y'all understand that? When, you, when you're in the midst of grief, Bible says, worship. 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 That's not an excuse and nor is it a reason to disappear. He says fall down and worship. How do I know? Because if you look at David, remember David when he had, he had, he had to reap the consequences of his sin with Bathsheba? And the thing is, what you come to understand is that, that God will he, he'll forgive sins. But sometimes those sins have consequences. And those consequences will still come. Uh, they will still manifest themselves. So what do we know that David laid down and he, he prayed for seven days and wouldn't talk to anybody and wouldn't be consoled for seven straight days praying for that child. But the child died. What did David do? Did David stop living? No mammy, no sir. Something told him. Something let him know. That he was to get up, put oil on his head, put on the right clothes, refocus his mind on his life, and get moving in hopes, knowing that he can't bring his son back. But just maybe one day he'll be able to see his son. Anybody get the picture here? See, 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 when the storms come, when the storms come, you recognize the storm, but the important thing is, is to focus your mind. It's to still worship. It is to still humble yourself. It is to lay down. Don't let your emotions and all the things thinking about my loss, my grief, my feelings consume you to the point where it's all about you and no longer about the Lord. Because it's the Lord who has his hand on everything. It's, his, it's the Lord who gives permission for anything. It's the Lord who's trying to grow you through this thing. It's the Lord. And therefore, you have to be just like Paul. When Paul said, I have learned to be content in all situations. I've been rich, I've been poor. I've had friends, and I've been alone. But one thing that has never changed is my position in Christ Jesus. And as long as I have a place in the Lord, I'm all right. Amen. 
If the Lord is there, I have a home. If the Lord is there, I have a friend. If the Lord is there, I have comfort. If the Lord is there, there's a shoulder to lean on. If the Lord is there, there's somebody to talk to. If the Lord is there, there's somebody who has my back. If the Lord is there, there's somebody who understands. If the Lord is there, and where is the Lord? The Lord is everywhere. Huh? So, so you say, well, Josh, what all this got to do with Psalm 29? But I'm going to show you. Because the reason why he worship is because he was still trying to stay focused on the voice of the Lord. Now what it says here in Psalm 29 it says give unto the Lord O ye mighty give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. What does it say? What does it say? David right after uh, the psalm he was asking for help but he's saying in every situation, you ought to worship God. It doesn't matter what's going on. You ought to worship God. It doesn't matter what, 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 is, what has come on you, what has confused you, what has you anxious. You ought to worship God. You ought to magnify God. Because the moment you take your focus off God, your focus is going right to you. The moment you take your focus off God, you're going to take your focus off the medication that He He prescribes and starts to it starts to set yourself uh, it starts to set yourself up for self medication. And haven't you learned by now that self medicating kills? <sighs> Have we not learned that with Prince? Did we not learn that with Michael Jackson? Have we not learned that? But that was pressing. Now y'all said, oh, so the children of Elvis, who's Elvis? He was the original king of rock and roll, y'all. Google him, check it out, check it out, check it out. See, the thing is, what I just named for you was three so-called kings. Three so-called kings who self-medicated and sacrificed their kings. They had all the money. All the power, all the popularity. They had all the stuff that y'all sit around talking about. If I just had this, I'd be all right. If I had this money, if I had what they had, if I had this, I'd be all right. You don't know about the headaches that come with that. You sit back and talk like you know. You don't know. You have more than what they have. You just don't have a have sense enough to realize that you have more than what they have. You have Jesus. You have the true king, the prince of peace, the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. You have him. So you don't need them and what they have. You have him. And most importantly, you have his voice. His voice that always speaks to you. Right? So then we look at it, it says, uh, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunder the Lord is upon many waters. See, the word, if you're taking notes, it signifies, it, it, the word voice in this text, what it signifies is divine truth that is heard and perceived in the heavens and on earth. Right? 
And we see it in, in, in Psalm 29. So when you look at this word voice, the voice of the Lord, it is, it is, the, it, it, it is, it is divine truth which is heard in heaven and perceived, uh, that is heard and perceived in heaven and on earth. And see, this divine truth is it, it, that thing, it destroys falsehood and it destroys evil. Uh, this truth is the voice of, of Jehovah. And, and, and what it is, it, it, it gives glory. And, and this truth is this the truth that's in the church. It's the truth that supports the church. What sustains the church is the voice. It's the word of God. Does that make sense to anybody? And if, the, and if the word supports the church, it supports everybody that's in the church. Bible says something in, in, in John chapter 10, verses 2 through 5. It says, to him uh, who is the shepherd of the sheep and the doorkeeper openeth and the sheep hear his voice. Hear his voice or hear his word. The voice, I mean, the sheep follow him because they know his voice, because they know his word. See, you need to go to John 10, and when you see voice, put word or put truth. See, so when we read it that way, to him who is the shepherd of the sheep, the doorkeeper opens, the sheep hear his truth. They hear his truth. The sheep follow him because they know his truth. Uh, a stranger they will not follow because they don't know, because they know not the truth of strangers. Does that make sense to anybody? They don't know the truth of strangers. Uh, uh, and, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my truth. You see that in verses 16, 26, and 27. They will hear uh, my, my truth, but ye are not of my sheep, for my sheep hear my truth, and I know them, and they follow me. He was talking to the Pharisees. He says, y'all not my sheep. You know why y'all not my sheep? Because you don't hear my truth. You don't hear my word. And because you won't follow my truth or follow my word, you don't belong to me. And you have nothing in me. Does that make sense, y'all? So this voice, this voice, it, 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 this, 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 it, it, it's this truth that proceeds from the Lord. It's this word and, it's, and, 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 the voice, and the truth of strangers, the truth of strangers denotes falsehood. Notice what I'm saying. So if somebody is talking to you and they're not speaking the truth of your father, if they're not speaking the truth of God, then you follow not that truth. And that starts with your own truth. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? In James chapter 3, it talks about that earthly wisdom. That is that is that is that is that is uh, uh, demonic. That, that has jealousy and falsehood and it divides. It starts with you. You got to get up off your own truth. Until you get up off your own truth, you won't know truth. You won't know the peace of truth. See, I promised myself I wouldn't do this. Y'all won't know the peace of truth. Y'all won't know. The, 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 the comfort that comes in truth. You won't know the stability of truth. You won't know it because you're too busy following your own truth. 
Well, it's, it, the Bible means in Proverbs chapter 3, but it says, Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge the Lord. And he, his truth, his word will make your path straight. Most of what's going on in your life is because you and your so-called truth is in the way. And let me tell you, let me translate, let me help you understand what your truth is. Your truth is a lie. And you keep on lying to yourself. You keep telling yourself the same old lie, I can make it, if I do this, this will be all right. I think I can make a way for myself. I think I can sort. You keep on lying to yourself. And as long as you're lying to yourself, you don't need much anybody else to lie. Because your own lies are killing and keep you from the peace of God. Does that make sense to anybody? Huh? So then we come to 20 hours. You in a storm, right? And, you, and you, you're being tossed to and fro by the storm. But guess what? You don't have to be tossed to and fro. It said in Ephesians that God's people were not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. They're supposed to be stable because they are focused on his voice, his word, his truth. I'm not worried about what they say the new truth is because this truth works just fine. I'm not worried about the new truth because I'm too stubborn to accept the old truth. I'm too busy trying to wrap my, my mind around this old truth. What, what room I got for new truth? I ain't even got all the peace out of this. I'm talking about a new peace. I ain't even come to understand what he's trying to do for me. See, he's the God of the thunderstorm. Do you understand? They didn't get it. The disciples didn't understand it when they were on the boat and Jesus was taking a nap. And they said, Master, care thou not that we're perishing. Of course I can. If I didn't care, I wouldn't be on the boat. <laughs> Crazy? That came from Brother Johnson. But the thing is, He's on the boat and he's taking a nap. <laughs> what, do you think the, what, do you, what do you think the disposition of Jesus is in your life? See, Jesus, and we'll see it in Psalm 29. His disposition in your life, he's got, Jesus is always calm. The Holy Spirit is always calm. Because his government, his governing, his rule, and his reign will not be upset. So in your life, Jesus is just calm. But sometimes there's a conflict because we get focused on the storm and we want to act crazy and we feel like we should be flipping out when Jesus is saying, there's no reason. I know what you're going through. I know what, you, I know what you're experiencing, but I'm letting you know that I'm bringing you through. You got to be focused on his voice, y'all. Does that make sense? That's why you have to worship regardless. And I'm not talking about coming to the building. I'm not talking about just coming to the building. I'm talking about taking what you get in the building and putting it in every aspect of your life. You got to worship always. And I'm talking about having a worshipful mind. Having a worshipful mind. Staying focused on his voice, which requires me to study and meditate on his word. Isn't that right, Sister Carl? Sister Carl, I tell you, she ain't going to bother her. Yeah. Yeah, she told me a lesson the other day. She was trying to get somewhere the other Sunday. She was trying to get somewhere. And I was like, she's a car. She was like, moving. I was like, I mean, I could have just picked her up and her little legs would have been going. But I was like, she was trying to get somewhere. She was on a mission, right? 
And here's the thing. We should be the same way. When we're on a mission for the master, it doesn't matter who's calling our name. Huh? It shouldn't matter. We, get, we start to second guess and we get confused because we get focused on these other voices rather than hearing the one voice. The one voice only needs to tell me one time. You know, Jesus only had to die one time to prove to me that he loved me. He doesn't have to die for me anymore. I don't need any more assurance. When he died and got up and he was innocent, I don't need him to die Right? So then it says here, look at what it says. So the voice is his divine truth, right? Now let me show you in your notes there. He says, he says, the God of glory thundereth the Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars, and, the, and yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. Now the, the, the many waters, many waters, what that represents is that, that, that represents the, the heavenly truths. That exists. Heavenly truths. What do I mean by that? Heavenly truth. Because see, when you go back to go back to Genesis, it's, he was above, he was upon, he was above, he hovered above the waters. There are truths that, that existed, that exist above in heaven, and these things are dispensed. Notice how the scriptures talk about the washing of the word, the water of the word, the heavenly truths of what that represents. His heavenly truths are being dispensed. So his voice, his voice, his voice gives strength unto his people. His voice, it, it, it blesses his people with peace. So the thing is, I need to worship, but I need to focus on his voice because through his voice, I'm going to get strength and I'm going to get peace. I'm still in, I'm still in Psalm 29. I'm still there. I'm still there. And I'm trying to show you that his voice is above the waters and how his voice, I'm going right back here. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters, the God of glory thunder, the Lord is upon many waters. Many truths. And the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is, uh, of the Lord is full of majesty. And, and now the word power there, see the word powerful, let me explain to you what that means. Uh, uh, the word powerful, it means it has the ability to control and influence people and things. Right? Now, now right here in verse 4, 29, verse 4, talking about the power that's in his word. So the word is powerful. And, it, and what it does, it means his, his voice has a strong effect and it produces great strength. When people focus on his voice, see, because his voice is above the thunder and above the lightning. He's the one that makes these things happen. See, so when God speaks, right, he does things happen. That's why you have to stay focused on his voice. I know what the doctors say. I know what the counselors say. I know what family says. I know what they say. But I'm more concerned about what God has said. That's what I'm concerned about. I know. I know. So and we, you hear people always talking about, y'all hear me, I pray that I, I need to pray for strength, that God give me more strength. God give me more strength. How much more strength can he give you? He gave you Jesus. He gave you the Holy Spirit. And he gave you his word. How much more strength can he give? And you can't be talking about pray for more strength and you won't even study you won't even go to the Word. So how are you going to get to the strength? How are you going to see the peace? Have you, has anybody in here ever been feeling a certain type of way? You know how y'all say, feel a certain type of way today. 
and, and, and then find yourself reading the word. And then after you read the word, as you read the word, you felt, you realized that whatever you was making a huge issue, with every word you read from God, the issue got smaller. It was huge when you jumped into the word. But by the time you got to the bottom of the verse, that thing got so much smaller. Your enemies were giants before you opened the book. But by the time you got in the book, that enemy now was an ant. If you're not going to study, don't pray for more strength. If you're not going to read the word, don't pray for it. Because he's not sending it just like that. No, no, go to the word. And so you'll see that word feeds the spirit. The spirit leads you in his truth. And the truth brings you to peace and comfort. He said, where did God say that you might find comfort? Where? In the scriptures. And it's a special kind of comfort that you won't find anywhere and in anybody else. Huh? So then it says there, and you know what, some, some else? This is the word is majestic. That word majestic means it is great and impressively beautiful in quality. So when you're reading that verse, you know what the word will do? The word, God's voice, it will impute greatness. You want to know how to be great? You want to know how to be great in your field? It's funny. Some of us think, some of us don't realize that God is an expert in every field. Did y'all know that? No, 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 you might know that. Some of y'all don't think God can do statistics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of y'all don't think, y'all don't, no, don't think God can build buildings. Uh, I, I, last I checked, Jesus said I was building a church. <laughs> and, and he was a carpenter. And God had the audacity to tell us how to use a plumb line. See, that's, that's going to be uh, Nico's next message. Y'all just heard me give it. The next message Nico preaches, he's going to preach a lesson out of Amos on the plumb line. So the next message y'all look from for Nico is going to be the plumb line. He's going to tell y'all, if you don't know what it is, Nico's going to tell you what it is. Huh? Well, he is so hard on Nico. Whatever. We, we trying to help folk grow in the Lord. Hmm? So, so here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing. Look at this, look at this. It's majestic. You want to find beauty? Go to the Word. See, the, the Word, the voice of the Lord, the Word beautifies the beholder. The more you read the Word, the more beautiful you become inside. Huh? Isn't that what they said happened to the Marines? Uh, they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica. See? And those in Thessalonica were known for their, for their faith. See, the word will beautify you from the inside out. You got a messed up attitude? Listen to the voice of the Lord. And you know what he's going to start? He's going to start with telling you first, your attitude is messed up. Now, if you can't take that part, you're going to miss the rest. And that's where he's going to start. He's going to come right in and say, now let me explain something to you. Your attitude is a mess. Now I'm going to fix it. Now I'm going to tell you because I'm going to fix it. But your stuff is messed up. And you know what some of us do? Because we're so prideful. Because, we, because nobody's ever challenged us in our lives. Because somebody has told us that we were cute, 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 cute. 
that we can't stand for somebody to tell us that we ain't as cute as we have convinced ourselves that we are. What? Me not cute? Me not funny? Me not the life of the party? Nobody's ever told me that. Well, Jesus says, I'm telling you. And I'm never wrong. And I'm telling you for your own good. You see how we, see, this is how we treat people. When people come to us speaking the voice of the Lord, truth of the Lord, we want to tear them apart. We think when it comes out of their mouth, when they say, see, your attitude is messed up, then we get upset with them. But that's the Lord. Huh? I'm trying to show you how to get through the storm. A lot of us, you know what? You know what? You got a mess. You got some storms in your life. You got some storms in your life, uh, 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 Marlene and Marlene's daughter. You got, you got some storms in your life because of messed up attitudes. Your attitude was messed up for a long time. You were stubborn. Little Marlene's still stubborn. Don't sit up in here crying because you got to be in worship. You better get a life. Sit up here crying about, I'm still sleepy. Well, go to bed at night. And quit arguing with your mama when she tell you to get to bed. Because this is important today. This is going to save your life. From here on to eternity. Amen. You get ready for this. Send them children to bed. Put let them stay up all times tonight. Then I see the parents. Where the child? Child, well, they was just so tired this morning. <laughs> Why? Why? Don't you run the house? I'm about to be done. Anyway, so the thing is, these voices upon the water. And so when you look at that thing above the water, I'm coming back to the waters now, because folks look at the, see, the thing is, water, when you look at the symbolism of water, water represents the source of life. It represents the flow of life. It represents the power. So then when you talk about his voice is above, is upon the waters, the heavenly truths, because they give life. They order life. And they purify life. Huh? When God's spirit moved across the void and moved across the darkness, moved across the, in Genesis, when he were, and he spoke, he gave it order. You want order in your life? Focus on the voice of the Lord. Hmm? You want to fix that mess, children? You want to fix that mess, Alex? Listen to the voice of the Lord and stop talking so much. You don't have an answer for everything. Amen. Some of us think we have an answer for everything. You ever talk to somebody who always got an answer? Mm -hmm. Everything they got an answer. Caleb, you don't have an answer for everything. Sometimes you need to just be quiet. Close your mouth. And parents, teach them how to be quiet. Teach them how to listen. Teach them how to focus on the voice of the Lord. It's not time for you to talk. It's not time for you to act. It's time for you to listen. It's time for you to apply. It's time for you to learn. That's why. That's why. Be quiet. Be quiet. Adults, be quiet. Sometimes I'm talking to adults about what the word says. Well, Brother Johnson, I've been. See, see, okay, all right. All I can say in those cases, you'll learn. You just keep on just like you're doing. And you're going to learn. You're in a storm right now, and God is. He's speaking. See, and this is the preaching I get in trouble for. It's why some folks won't bother me. Too difficult, too hard, too old. And they're right. So the thing is, that word 
that word, he's trying to navigate you through the storm. And he's speaking to you, and you won't even let him reel you in. You won't let him pull you through. He's building your faith. He sort of saw you not to be all over the place, not to be so unstable, not to be so caught up in yourself and in your feelings all the time. He's trying to give you a sure fire God that's tried and tested. And you've got to focus on his voice because he's the God of the storm. Huh? And, 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 and notice his voice, it breaks the cedars. The cedars were, 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 were blessed trees and they were elevated to him, sometimes called God's trees because they were so mighty and strong. But it represents also being exalted and proud. And it says his voice, it, 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 his voice, it, it breaks the cedars is what it does. But you know what that means? When God's word comes into your life, it will pulverize your pride. It, 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 it will humble you. It will humble the haughtiness in you. And it will arrest your arrogance. You know what it means to arrest arrogance? That means freeze. Stop. Put your hands up. It will stop your arrogance. Stop your focus on yourself and readjust your mind. Bible also says that his word, his word, if we come back over here, it breaketh the cedars, yet the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf, Lebanon and Syrian, like, like young unicorn, the voice of the Lord divideth the flames of fire. What does that mean? What does that mean? The flames of fire. Fire is used to destroy. It is also used to purify. See, when God's voice comes, see, that which is destroying you in your life, the storm is, his voice will come and split the fire right in the middle. You know how he does it? He does it by illuminating your mind. That fire that comes from God, and we will learn later on, that fire also represents the Holy Spirit. And what it does, see, see, it, it, it illuminates the mind. It shows you things you never saw before. It, it, it melts the heart down. It melts the mind. And guess what it does? It consumes the carnality that is within you. That's why some people can't stand to hear the pure word. Because it's too much for them. It's doing too much inside of them. I can't deal with this. That's why they don't want to talk. They don't want to read. They don't want to study. They don't want it. They're not ready for it because it's doing too much to them. But God's word will do that. And then it says this. It says it shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. What that means is it, 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 uh, God's people went through the wilderness. See, why did they go to the wilderness? Because the wilderness is a school. In the Old Testament, they left Egypt on the way to the promised land. But before they could get to the promised land, they had to go to the wilderness. What does the wilderness represent? The wilderness represents a lack of understanding. It represents confusion. And see, when God's people are in confusion, and when the psalmist, were, the, the, he's talking about the condition of the church. The church, the church right now. Is in a state of confusion, y'all. Did y'all know that? The church is in a state of confusion. Not because Jesus is confused. Not because his word is confused. It's because his folk have taken their eyes off of him and their itching ears are looking for something else rather than sound doctrine. Huh? But his word, when it comes, what it will do, it will shake the wilderness. And what it does, see, when you're confused, you say, I'm confused, Lord, what do I do? He said, listen to me. And y'all know what I'm talking about. You ever, you ever, when your child come in the house, when your child come in the house, they all upset, they all upset, like, <laughs> mom, and, and then I was riding, and then car, and uh, then there was a truck, and the deer, and, and then there was antlers in my pocket. <laughs> and you're like, what? And you say, okay, okay, okay. Calm down. Listen to me. 
tell me what happened. That's what God's voice does. He says, come back. Listen to me. Match my voice. And tell me that. He'll shake up the understanding. So when he does that, his voice will alert the aliens. Those who have not heard the word, that word will alert them. It will arouse those who have been sleeping. It'll arouse those who've been sleeping on his word. A lot of us got a whole lot of truth in us, but we're sleeping on it. Don't use any of it. Right? And then, and then you want know to do? It'll alarm the secure. There's some people who think they're so safe and so secure in their own understanding, listening to the voices of the world and leaning on, with, on, on, on earthly wisdom. When God's voice comes, he will show you how you have built your stuff on a faulty foundation. Huh? And then, and, then, and then it says that it makes the hinds, it makes the hinds calf. The power of the storm. What he's talking about here, the storm was so great and the fear was so great. Here's the thing. He said the fear was so great when it hit the wilderness that pregnant animals gave their babies right then. Babies were in the womb and the storm was so great that the babies fell out just like that. That's how great the storm was. But the high, but what that also says is this, that see, when the voice of the Lord comes, it reaches deep, it reaches deep as the wound. It reaches deep within you. And it finds the vulnerable parts of you. Because if that baby, if that child, if that young, that young uh, uh, lamb or deer was to fall out, it's vulnerable. But when it falls out, it falls out into the presence of God and it's safe. So God's voice, it'll reach deep. It'll, it'll reveal your vulnerable places, but then it'll restore your comfort. When the voice of the Lord comes, he reaches in, he reveals you, but he brings you out so he can give you true comfort. Huh? What is he saying? What you saying? You're saying that the word of the Lord, the voice of the Lord, is more comfortable than mama's womb? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. There's more comfort in God's word. There's more, there's more, there's more substance and sustenance. There's, there's more, there's more being provided. There's more nutrients. As you know, for the baby, everything he needs comes from the womb. But it says that there's more in God's word than there is in the womb. You know what that means, church? You ought to stop running from being vulnerable. If you can't be vulnerable in front of the Lord, you can't be vulnerable anyway. You ought to be able to reveal yourself and let him restore your comfort and put you back in the right place. And see now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We move on and we're going to wrap it up right here. He's like, what's up, Okay. <laughs> the voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the highs the calf and discovereth the forest and in the temple that uh, every one speak of his glory. The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. Even though there's a raging flood, he sits on top of the flood. And it's still king. Right? The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. The Lord remains calm and unmoved. He rules, he rules undisturbed by the most turbulent of times and contrary of winds. You know that? Huh? And the Lord gives strength and peace to his people through his word inwardly and outwardly. What you have here is one Lord. One faith, one voice, one baptism, one word, one complete blessing. And it's all found in the voice of the Lord. And the voice of the Lord calls you to salvation. Calls you out of your lost condition. 
If you have not given your life to Christ, if you have not been baptized for the remission of your sins after hearing his word, believing what he says, repenting of sins, confessing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, going under these waters, and, and I need you to understand, just because you come forth and you go under this water, it means that you're saying to the Lord, I give it all over to you. And I'm, I'm, I'm depending on you to change my life, show me where I need to change it. Put me on the right track. He said, I'll put you on the right track. I'm going to put my Holy Spirit in you. I'm going to add this to my family, which is the church. And the church is the only place where you can find salvation. Because you need to understand that Jesus is coming. I don't know when, but he is coming. And when he comes, will he find you ready to go? And here's the thing. When Jesus comes, you'll be ready to go. The question is, wait. Because when he comes, everybody's going somewhere. And you're either going with him or you're going in. It's just that simple. But you make that decision now. Why not put yourself in God's hands? Blessed assurance. Let him save your soul. Become a true Christian, a true child of God. And then start your new life today. Because without Jesus, you simply can't make it. You won't make it. Life becomes more difficult without God. It, matter of fact, life is impossible without God. You need his voice. You need his comfort. You need his wisdom and you need his guidance. He's the God of the storm. He, and we know what he said to the storm once they woke him up. He said, peace, be still. And they said, what matter of man is this that speaks to the storm, the winds, and they obey? The man he is, he's God. And you need him in your life. He says, I give you a peace that this world cannot understand. See, peace I leave with you. The, the, the peace this world can't give you. And he said, I overcame, I overcome this world. I overcame this world so that you could overcome this world. Don't you want overcoming peace? Don't you want overcoming power? Don't you want that? If you want it in your life, then come on to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus today. Christians, if you haven't been tuning into the voice of the Lord and you're letting all these other voices confuse you, then repent. Shut these other voices out and just hear the Lord. And he will lead you to the promise. He'll lead you to the power. Just hear the Lord. Just hear the Lord. If there be anyone willing to hear the Lord subject uh, uh, to the Savior's invitation, then uh, please come while we stand the same. Uh, 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 uh.